Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash entitled parents video. Today, we've got a crazy story of a parent telling a kid to suck it up when a relative was dying. But first, a story from OK Carpet 9023 My mom stole 8000 from me and opened credit cards in my name. I haven't talked to my mom for a little over one year now, but this is the story of my mom's lies. Growing up, my mom was always in and out of jail for stealing. Last time she was arrested was in 2015. I was 19 at that time. She always said she stole to provide for our family, but we never lived in a stable home. She would just blow money on expensive gifts and tell us we aren't poor, we have this, how many poor kids have this, as we lived from hotel to hotel. Growing up, I became the financially responsible child. I worked multiple jobs, got good grades, and community service. I was able to save up $8,500 for college with multiple scholarships. During my hard work in high school, I also helped my mom with bills and paying for whatever she needed help with. When I left for college, she was arrested again and had to be dropped off states away by my aunt for my first day of college. I asked my mom for my college money and she said she would transfer the money when she got out. When she got out, it all magically disappeared. She blamed my dead grandmother for stealing my money. In 2019, I discovered multiple credit cards and an apartment late on bills were opened in my name. I cried to my mom about all these issues and she comforted me and asked for more money. I gave her more money. I graduated with my BA and went to grad school. I was able to be in grad school for one year with my savings before I needed to take grad plus loans out. I applied but was denied due to all the negative items on my credit score. My mom told me to just pay it off. I didn't. I dropped out instead. I was devastated but I wasn't going to pay for other people's fun ride. I called all the credit companies and got the address for all the credit cards. It was my mom's address. When confronted, she broke down, saying it was my grandmother and how dare I blame her for this. She demanded an apology and didn't speak to me for a week. My grandmother died before all the credit cards were open. I filed a police report against my mother. She doesn't know yet, but when she finds out, I'm sure I'll receive the best kind of text message. We stopped talking for another reason. So not only did OP's mom steal from them, but I feel like there's some serious emotional manipulation going on here. I just couldn't imagine how devastated you would have to feel finding out that, you know, not only was this money being stolen from you, but it was your mom behind your back and also lying to your face about it and also asking you for more money on top of that. Is there possibly a way to make up for this? Or do you think that this kind of behavior, you should just cut them off and never look back? Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. Our next story is from Shrimp Levy. My dad and his girlfriend tell me to suck up my great-grandmother's death as I was ruining her daughter's football match. When I was 11, my parents got an official divorce. Me and my mom moved in with my stepdad and stepsisters while my dad stayed back at our old house. While I tried to adjust to a new family I only met maybe three times before we moved there and with whom I had a lot of issues with, my dad was trying to get back into the dating world and through the power of the internet he met the entitled witch spoiler alert they broke up after six years thank you she was absolutely terrible 
and with my dad being terrified of losing his now third shot at a long-lasting love, he basically agreed with her on everything and never defended me. Entitled Witch loved attention, especially my dad's, and would do anything to get it, even if it meant tearing me down. It started small, accidentally booking their two-people holiday on the weeks I was supposed to be at his place, accidentally talking a bit too loudly with her friends about me while I was literally one room over, with the door wide open, accidentally throwing away my miniature toy collection, because I was one, over the age of three, and two, not a boy, and so on. One of the worst things that happened, as you may have read by the title, was the day my great-grandmother passed away. She was the grandmother of my stepdad, but the minute she met me, she was one of the only people there who saw me as family instantly. She never treated me any different than my stepsisters and cousins, and I loved her dearly. At that time, me and my dad were visiting Evil Witch for the weekend, and her youngest daughter, 24, 10 years older than me, was playing a football, soccer match with a town's women's team. I'm not the biggest sports person, so in combo with being a moody teen and disliking the people there anyway, I wasn't enjoying myself. While the match was playing, I started wandering around. It was just a field, getting away from the crowd when I got that devastating phone call from my mom. It wasn't out of the blue as she was already 95 years old and sick, but when you get such news, it doesn't really matter. I hung up the phone to my mom, broke down then and there, and just started sobbing. Around five minutes later, my dad found me on the ground, asking what was wrong, but I couldn't get any words out. Entitled Witch came looking for my dad as he'd left her alone to come look for me, which of course, she hated. Through tears, I was barely able to get out what my mom told me over the phone. Hearing that, all Entitled Witch said was, So what? This game's important to my daughter. I have no time for your whining. I'm missing your game. To my absolute horror, my dad stood up from where he was crouching in front of me the second she opened her mouth. He started agreeing with her, saying how I should just get up and continue to try to watch the game for Entitled Witch's daughter's sake. She's just being dramatic, buy her a coke or something, she said to my dad, before turning her head towards me again. Besides, it's not like she was your actual family. But right now, my real daughter's playing a match, and I won't allow you to make us miss it. With us? She of course only meant my dad and her. My dad led me towards the food stand, sat me down on a bench, and got me something to drink. He then told me I had to suck it up for entitled witch's sake, that I knew how she got when it came to crying or any other babyish stuff, especially in public. This included saying, aww, when I saw a kitten, by the way. You have to consider her feelings. This is important to her and her daughter. I asked my mom to come pick me up, but she couldn't as she was currently busy supporting my stepdad's family. So I sat there for the rest of the game, crying into my bottle of Coke. A few strangers tried to talk to me, but I just shrugged them off. I'm entirely grateful for their tissues, though. When the game ended, entitled Witch's Daughter's Team won, by the way, and we finally went to go home, all I got were eye rolls from Entitled Witch and how I ruined her mood and enjoyment for the day. Dad just shook his head and looked at me with disappointment. They had friends over to celebrate her daughter's win with her later that evening, as her family was really close. But I wasn't allowed to ruin the atmosphere with my puberty mood swings, so I had to stay in the guest room. And so there I stayed for the rest of that night with a plate of food that I never ate for what I got told off the day after, just trying to dream of this day never happening and that I could have seen my great-grandmother one last time. 
I'm 21 now, and this memory is still burned in my mind as one of the worst days of my life. I feel like a lot of people might say common things like, the past is the past, and you know, you need to try to learn to move past it and not let it affect you. But something like this is such a traumatizing day, such an impactful moment in your life. It just seems like the kind of thing that would be so hard to get past. Is something like this only something you have to learn to cope with and get past by being blunt about it to the people who affected you negatively, even if that's just your dad? I just hope for OP's sake that they were able to get some more official help and be able to attend something like therapy. By the way, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Our next story is from an anonymous poster. My mom's mad at me for trying to plan my wedding the way I wanted. So as you read the title, my mother's mad because I want a different type of wedding. First, let me explain Balkan weddings. 1. The night before, the wedding guests of the bride gather at her house and guests of the groom at his house. You have to get catering for all the people that come, usually around 30 to 40 people. It's exhausting when you have a long day tomorrow. You have to serve the guests food and drinks, and Balkan people don't really think much of others and how tired they are. Read The Bride and Her Family. 1. The day of the wedding, you have to also cater the guests, because why not? It's like the wedding didn't even start yet. 2. As a bride, you have to be ready by noon or 1 p.m., because it's a tradition that the groom comes with his guests, family and friends, to get the bride. And the bride waltzes out of her house, all happy and not at all tired. 3. You mingle for an hour or two with the guests and pretend you're not already tired. 4. All of the guests and bride and groom get in their cars and create a huge motorcade, and you all leave to go to the church to get married. It's usually at the bride's parish, but we wanted to do it in the city where the venue is. 5. After church, we all go to the venue and celebrate until like 4am. The start of the dinner at the venue is around 8-9pm. to 9 PM. My mother wanted the traditional way because of what will other people say and I wanted a wedding without steps, 1-4. through four. I just wanted to be fresh and rested for church in the venue and not spend the whole day in 40 degrees Celsius weather sweating my butt off. Now she's mad at me, telling me the groom and his mother are forcing me to give up my wishes when I'm the one who gave up the idea of a traditional wedding because my brother married the same way and it was awfully exhausting for me and my mother. I told her how we had to clean the whole house and serve all the guests and she's telling me I did nothing and I'm a disappointment. At first, in the winter when we started planning the wedding, I told my mom that I wanted the whole traditional vibe in remembrance of my dad who passed away, because I would be in a house in his village that he grew up in. But when I realized during the summer how hot it is in the village, I decided maybe it's not so terrible to think about non-traditional ways. I finally allowed myself to be open with my wishes and I get manipulated all the time into thinking my fiance is not meeting my wishes when it's my own mother disregarding them. Opinions please on what to do and sorry for the long text. So I think the bottom line here is you need to have your wedding the way you and your bride want to have the wedding. If there's something that you and your bride agree upon, then you have no obligation to anybody else to have a wedding any which way but the way you want it. You know, as long as it's not illegal. If anybody's trying to tell you that your wedding isn't about you, it's about the family as a whole, I think that's personally a really big red flag. Our next story is from Quixie Quirk, Finnish Karen. I've been living in Finland for a while now, and I'd really come to think of Karens as being an American phenomenon. 
They're never really something I thought to see out in the wild in Finland. Finns in general tend to keep to themselves and not bother people with things like invading their personal space and small talk with strangers. Today, much to my dismay, I had my image shattered and I can now attest to the fact that Karens exist the world over. One great thing about where I live is that the public transportation system is absolutely brilliant. I can take a tram from where I live to most places in the city. No muss, no fuss, no long waits. I rarely have to wait more than 10 minutes to catch a tram to get to where I need to be. This is especially good since I was recently injured. In short, while I was going down the stairs, my feet forgot how to feet, and I took a little tumble. To make a story longer, I broke my ankle and I'm on crutches while I mend. Today I needed to head into the city center. It should have been a quick and easy trip with a minimum of walking, so relatively painless. With my crutches, I hobbled my way across the street and onto a tram. Now, to paint a little picture, the way the trams are set up is like that of most subways. You don't have to go in through the front door. You can enter the tram from one of the sets of doors along the sides. On the side, in front of each of those doors, is an open space where the seats fold up to allow for room for wheelchairs, walkers, strollers, and the like. Now, there's a little nook behind the doors I entered through with two fold-down seats. I chose to sit there because those are some of the last seats taken on the tram, and people with strollers and wheelchairs have to maneuver a little extra to get in there, making them generally less desirable. They're perfect for someone on crutches though. Now on to the actual story. So I take my seat and jam to my music while waiting for my stop. We get about halfway to my destination when a woman with a giant honking wannabe transformer stroller gets on. Now, as I said, the entire area was completely devoid of people. She had her choice of any of the spots in that space to park her behemoth of a stroller. However, none of those places were good enough for her because her eyes immediately fell on me. She actually fit her stroller into one of the vacant spaces, walked over to me, and asked me to move so she could sit there. I just blinked at her. First, I was surprised that a Finn was speaking to me at all. In my entire time living here, it hadn't happened before. I've had tourists ask me for directions, but outside of drunk people, I've never had a Finn engage me in small talk. I pulled out an earbud and asked her to repeat herself. She gave an annoyed huff and, assuming the accent on my Finnish meant I didn't understand her, rolled her eyes and switched to English. You need to move so I can sit down. I blinked again and looked around her at the four empty seats across from me beside her carriage and back at her. There are empty seats there. She says, I want to sit here. Now I did my time in customer service and I no longer have the patience that I once had. That was ever so long ago. Now I'm old and grouchy. One might even say crotchety, but I like to think I need a couple more decades under my belt before I well and truly can settle into crotchety. I'm sure there was a look of purest incredulity on my face as I stared up at her. It took me a moment, but I finally responded, It's good to want things in life. I wasn't having any of her nonsense. I put my earbud back in and turned to look out the window. Then she tapped me on the shoulder. I looked back at her again in shock that a Finn would willingly touch a stranger when they weren't drunk. You don't understand. Do you not speak English? She just heard me speak English. It's my first language after all. That and bad English. Completely fluent there. I say... 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I understand that there are a bunch of empty seats right there and you're bothering me for mine. She says you have to move. These seats are for mothers and their babies. I'm a mother. I say congratulations, but your procreation choices have absolutely no bearing on me or my life rather sharply in return. The funny part is that literally right by my head was a sign that had little images of an old person with a cane, a person in a wheelchair, a pregnant woman, and a person with a cast on their foot with a crutch. I was actually on the sign, a person with a cast and a crutch. It seemed she was annoyed that I wasn't immediately kowtowing before her breeding status because she started to raise her voice as she demanded I move. She kindly informed me that I could just sit somewhere else. She was loud enough that a few of the other passengers had taken interest and were watching her. Rather deliberately, I picked up one of my crutches and tapped the handle against the sign right beside my face. It's also intended for injured people. As you can see, I am injured. There are empty seats for you right there. I suggest you take one if you want to sit down. I'm not moving. She says, but I want to sit there. You have to move for me because I'm a mother. She just kept saying that over and over and over again, perhaps thinking that the 11th time saying it would somehow be more compelling than the 6th. I decided to leave her to it and went back to window gazing, hoping she'd get tired of talking to a brick wall. She did, but rather than take one of the empty seats, she marched up to the driver at the front Now, I can't even imagine what it is she said to her, but at the next stop, the driver walked back to the back where I was. It was obvious she was planning on telling me I had to move, but as I came into view, she just looked surprised, then confused, then annoyed. She walked back up and spoke to the mother. Again, I couldn't hear what they were saying as they were too far away from me. Whatever was said did not please the mother as she came back and all but threw herself into the fold-down seat next to her impractically large carriage. However, the seat didn't seem to like the force with which she threw herself into it because there was a loud snap of plastic cracking and in alarm she leapt to her feet. In that moment, the tram lurched and she was thrown unceremoniously on her motherly backside. I couldn't help it, I burst out laughing. I'm not sure if the next stop was actually her stop or she couldn't take me laughing at her, but she grabbed her giga stroller and literally stomped off the tram. Thank you, Karma. You gotta love the mega strollers that roll by. You feel like they're gonna raise their entire kid in that thing. It's like they take that thing to the store and they gotta give it its own parking space. Now, I don't know if this lady was Finnish or not, but the way she was acting wouldn't surprise me if they were just visiting or 
newer to the area. Imagine looking somebody who has a cast on with crutches in the eyes and saying, hey, can you move from your tram seat? Honestly, I feel like OP had one of those like awkward school experiences where you got like told on and you just kind of have to like sit there while the principal comes over and they look at you from afar. You look back at them and you have to not smile out of how ridiculous the whole situation is. Our next story is from Eat Puss, please. Entitled Dad threatens to cut off my hair in my sleep adds to my lifelong struggle with insomnia. I posted on the sub yesterday regarding my entitled parents' behavior regarding my transition, female to male, and got what I think was one of the best unintentionally funny comments I've ever gotten in the many years I've been on Reddit. It reminded me of a story from my very rough teenage years regarding bodily autonomy, one of many. I was a little cringe emo kid growing up. It was the big cope of my youth. I got relentlessly bullied in elementary school and switched schools when I went into middle school. It felt like an opportunity to reinvent myself and create a new reputation. I still got bullied, but the alt-goth and emo getup effectively redirected most of it to be about how I dressed, and not the details of my person I actually felt self-conscious about. Being called a gross creep and getting socially isolated for badly hiding my crush on another girl? Getting mocked for being the first girl to get her period when my tormentor dumped out my bag and my pads fell out? Emotionally devastating. Having a rumor started about me that I secretly worship Satan? Not really the same level of ownage, you know? There's getting bullied, and then there's getting bullied in a cool way. And being bullied in a cool way means it's suddenly not social suicide to associate with me. Suddenly, not only did I have friends for the first time in my life, but I had people actually want to be my friend. Because I was the cool, goth, edgy chick in a Catholic middle school. So, as you can imagine, I had a lot of emotional investment in maintaining my status as one of the cool, goth, edgy chicks. There were other edgy alt-girls to compete for dominance with, and I needed to distract my bullies from the fact that I never once successfully maintained a boyfriend. Despite my best efforts to get a beard, boys really don't like it when the girl they're into can't bring herself to kiss them. I was terrified rumors about me being gay were going to start up again. A nightmare scenario since we were forced on the daily to change in a room with only two stalls before and after gym. For anyone who didn't grow up female and queer, that was the pervert checkpoint with some of the worst bullying I've ever seen take place. You couldn't even escape because the teachers would force you to go in there and change. There was a lot of pressure to keep up and make myself look as bold as possible, keep control over my own reputation. My father, ever the insecure patriarch of the family, however, saw this change in costume as a challenge directly posed to him, however. My father was always very controlling towards me, in a way he just wasn't to my brother to begin with. If I wasn't the most feminine, polite, well-mannered, graceful little princess for him to show off to guests, I was an embarrassment. And keep in mind, I'm a trans man, and yes, there were signs since I was a child something was a little too queer about me. As you can imagine, my dad was already out for blood. From my perspective, I'd already failed so spectacularly to not be a sore point for him, I had nothing to lose passing him off more. From my father's perspective, this was a pissing contest he was losing to a 12-year-old. It got dramatic fast. I'm not even sure how I kept up a supply of makeup, because I remember more than once my father finding my makeup bag and destroying everything inside as an accident. I believe my mother kept giving me money to buy more behind his back. 
because she knew I was socially struggling and looking prettier was how she dealt with the problem too at my age. But she wouldn't stop him from giving offloading the brunt of his frustration onto me. I had to start guarding my clothes, made sure only my mom did my laundry if I wasn't doing it myself. I remember a few of my items I was so paranoid he'd get to, I would hand wash them in the sink lest he pull them out of the washer and ruin them. I didn't have a lock on my door, so there was always the risk of him just going in my room to destroy my things, something he sparingly did due to the fact that it was less defensible. He knew I would tell people, and he wanted to maintain the illusion that we were a normal family, but he did a few times in instances he thought he could get away with it. The thing that erupted this trial of wills into an all-out war, however, was the blue hair saga. The other girls at school were starting to dye their hair when I was around 13. It felt of vital importance I keep up. At first I asked for black, which had my father flipping his crap halfway to Sunday. My mom just got a box of dark brown dye without telling him. It was barely a darker shade than my natural color. My dad lost his cool so bad at this. This, I believe, was the first of many times my father would call me a conniving little witch. I think he implied something about me trying to be promiscuous too. Why this made me a sloth, but not my mother, a woman who dyed her hair regularly, I don't know. I guess it was okay when she did it because she'd be gray if she didn't. He calmed himself long enough to agree to a compromise to me getting a streak in my hair. But I didn't tell him that if I couldn't have it black, I was planning on getting blue. A blue streak that started getting bigger and bigger and bigger every time I went to the hairdresser until my whole head was blue after a year of this. In hindsight, I'm shocked my mom paid for this. I don't think she would have if I hadn't told her the other girls were doing it and I was afraid of being uncool, a wound my mother empathized with. The only reason my father tolerated this for so long was because he felt guilty for calling me a witch when I dyed my hair slightly darker brown. I got cocky, I guess. The front of my head was blue without him saying anything. So I jumped from half to my whole head died one day. That's when he snapped, which, you know, I should have seen that coming. He said it over dinner like it was a perfectly normal punishment, that he was considering cutting all my hair off in my sleep, that I better start getting on his good side because if I try something like this again, he will. He seemed so pleased with himself when he saw how scared I looked when I started crying and panicking. This was his victory. After losing ground on controlling me for a year, he finally gained some leverage. Again, there was no lock on my door. I don't know if this was a bluff or not, to be honest. It could have gone either way. What mattered to him is that he put me in my place, and to him, it seemed to have worked. This is a whole other story, but I've struggled with insomnia since I was very young. It was never addressed. I got in trouble if my parents discovered I was awake after 11 or caught napping during the day. It was stress-induced. I didn't feel safe falling asleep. And then I just never got used to having a regular sleep schedule. To this day, this is something I struggle with. I didn't sleep for days after this. I think I went a full 72 hours before taking my first nap, but I would only sleep on short spurts. I remember it being one of my longest-running wake-a-thons. If you haven't experienced sleep deprivation before, it's literally a trip. You start getting paranoid and hallucinating, which made me stay awake more. I was useless in school, in a bad mood. I started throwing up from the constant headache. I honestly don't remember a lot in that period, but I'm pretty sure I had a giant following out with a friend because I wasn't a very pleasant person to be around. 
all over some hair. I think it goes without saying, but this dad was way over the line, and honestly, they weren't ready to have kids. If they didn't know and expect that when a kid gets to a teenage years, even if they're not even struggling with anything, they're likely to try to mix things up. A dad like that just frustrates me because they just display blatantly that they weren't ready to have kids at all. And our final story of the day is from Good Contract 436. My mom has no respect for my only boundary I have to set with her. I, 16-year-old female, and my mom, 55-year-old female, got into a fight when she was bringing me home from school. I don't want to go into it because what the fight was about isn't important, but the fight was so bad that as soon as we got in the house, she was yelling at me. I retreat into my room to cry and be left alone so I could calm down, and she comes in there to go off on me and crap, and I just give her attitude because I don't want to be bothered, and I think that would be obvious if I'm not laying on my bed on my phone but I have my room dark. She then slams my door and walks off, and I hear her yelling about how she's done with my stupid entitled BS. What entitled BS? Other than trying to make it obvious I wanted her to leave me the freak alone for just freaking once in my freaking life. And not even two minutes later she calls me to come out there and I tell her that I want to be left alone. She then says just come out here and I'm literally sobbing so I yell I just want to be left alone can you please respect that? Not even like I don't know 10 minutes later she comes in here without knocking to ask if she can by the way to try and talk about what happened. And once again, I'm giving her attitude to give her the hint that I'm not ready to talk and I would like her to not bother me. She starts yelling about how I never want to talk to her about our fights and that she should just go and have a day out by herself without me or my dad because we don't respect her because we never want to talk things out and all that kind of stuff. She does this kind of stuff a lot where if she gets into a fight with me or my dad, she wants to talk it out and make up and act like it never happened, essentially immediately. I'm never ready to talk about anything immediately, and when she'd come into my room to talk to me, I had just finished crying, so I hadn't even had time to calm down. I finally got so sick and tired of having to deal with her doing this after every fight, expecting to make up and act like it never happened immediately, so I went into the kitchen to talk to her about it, and instead of actually listening to what I had to say and responding appropriately, after I asked if she understood that I'm asking her that when I say to leave me alone that I just need 30 minutes to an hour, that's it, just that much time to be left alone, instead of responding and saying she understood and all that jazz, she immediately transitions into, do you understand that when blah 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 blah, she didn't even listen to what I had to say. Because if she listened, she would have acknowledged what I said appropriately. But nope, we just had to have the talk that I still wasn't ready for right then and there. Because I left my room, I must be ready to talk about the fight and just act like it never even happened. This is why I want to lock on my door. Because when we fight and I ask them to leave me alone, I can lock the door to keep them out. So I have time to relax. But my dad says I don't need that much privacy. He's walked in on me changing multiple times despite me telling him to knock first, and then when I yell at him to knock instead of barging in because I'm changing, he gets mad at me saying like, I didn't know you were changing, so that's why you knock. Anyways, I just wanted to rant here really quick. Thanks for reading. There's definitely a multitude of things wrong here. When you get into a fight with somebody, you can't expect to be able to just talk and hash it out right then and there. Just because you're ready to move past it doesn't mean that the other people are ever going to be just willing to forget. 
and it's just so freaking annoying when I hear any parents say, you don't deserve privacy. You don't deserve a lock on your door because you don't need that much privacy. It's just ridiculous nonsense. If there's somebody who would for any reason lock their door, they need to understand that a teenager deserves that same level of privilege. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another Entitled Parent story that was absolutely crazy, click on that left video. Or, if you missed my latest video, check out the one on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.